Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you get that passion back, otherwise you're just going to float through, through business for a while, not really knowing which direction you're going to end up in. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with real estate expert and owner of Horizon Property Alliance, Michael Knights. We delve into his upbringing in Redcliffe and his journey in the building industry. We also find out about his transition into real estate that eventually made him over a million dollars a year within a short 12 months. Michael Knights has been in the real estate industry for over 30 years and shares with us on how he helps clients in the niche he works in. I'm based on the Sunshine Coast up in Queensland. I've been in real estate for about 30 years. Uh, I've got a business that's called Horizon Property Alliance. It's more about uh, creating a strategy and mentoring and putting together a bit of a plan for people who want to invest in small-time property developments, but mainly focusing on cash flow positive property investments where they can get a high return and um, increase their, their current passive income. So it's what I sort of specialize in and coming from a traditional real estate background, this is a lot more exciting and a lot more um, allows people to have a lot of longevity in their in their investing process. We discover what a day in the life of nights looks like and with so many things going on, they can be very, very long days. I start my day really early. I'm up about five o'clock, so I'm off to the gym first thing. Uh, I do F45. It's sort of convenient, get it done. And then I network a little bit at a coffee shop with um, different builders and developers and those sort of things. I find it's important to hang out with the people that you love to do. Uh, and then pretty well, I, I drop the kids to school and I'm, I'm at work full steam. So looking at developments, looking at sites, doing little feasibilities, networking with builders, um, talking to buyers, investors, just pretty well spend most of my time walking and talking what I'm you know, 100% involved in. And, and then just um, that pretty well takes up my day. So there's lots of follow-ups and there's, there's a lot of stuff to do, you know, so yeah, typically when I'm at work, I'm 110%. I try and knock off a lunchtime every now and then just to go to the gym to refresh and then I'm back into it again. So my days are, are long, but it's not really a job. It's more of a hobby. You know, I guess the money we can earn is really, really exciting, but it's more of a, a passion than anything for me. We learn about Knight's background and where he grew up. So I was born in Redcliffe and uh, so, yeah, I had that was where I went to school and I uh, went to Redcliffe, Redcliffe High School I left school in year 10, but uh, I, I, my family is still down there and I left Redcliffe in 2006 to the Sunshine Coast to semi-retire. But yeah, Redcliffe was, was where I spent, you know, all my, all my childhood basically. Um, yeah, it was 
good place to be for a young bloke at that time. Redcliffe is about a half hour north of Brisbane on a bay commu- bayside community, like a little peninsula surrounded by water. It's about an hour's north, hours, hours south from the Sunshine Coast and about an hour and a half from the Gold Coast. After growing up in Redcliffe, he talks to us about why he decided to make the move to the Sunshine Coast. I had a real estate business for quite a long time in Redcliffe and, and we bought a whole house in Alexander Headlands and we ended up, when we sold the business in 2006, we moved to semi-retire into our holiday house and that's, when we, uh, that's where we are now. It is hard when you're trying to figure out what you want to do after high school and Knight's tried other occupations before deciding on real estate. I went to TAFE, I wanted to be a builder but back in the day, it was really difficult to get a job in the building industry. It was a bit of a recession so I had a lot of different building type jobs but never, never was lucky enough to get an apprenticeship. So I um, just was a jack of all trades but a master of none. So I did all sorts of jobs in the building industry before, before I got into real estate. After working in the building industry for a period of time, how did Knights conclude that he wanted to transition into real estate? I bought my first house at 20 and I always had a passion for property at that, at that level. Uh, and then I, I ended up working for a roofing company as a sales rep and I met a lot of builders through that, that job there. And I started to do real estate part-time and, and then I eventually got into it full-time after about 12 months of part-time just to get an idea what it was all about. I was actually selling more houses on the weekends than most people were during the week. And I, when I decided to leave into full-time business, I, um, yeah, went for, it was just, that was my passion. I just loved it. That, my dad was a, an agent many years ago before then, and I just love real estate. I love property. just love the idea of getting involved in, in that business and you know, having the freedom to, to work for yourself was what, what sort of drove me. You know? and I, property, property development, you know, that sort of stuff. I just, just loved it with a passion. Knight's passion for real estate seemed to have begun at an early age from his father and other influences. In my young, younger years, he was he did real estate for about ten years, and until he bought himself a little seafood business. But I'd uh, he'd always talk property, and we, he'd have he had quite a few properties, and you know we would always go away on holidays and, and look at properties, etc. And I remember one time I was down the Gold Coast, and it was a booming market. I was only about oh, 12 or 13, and I'd see these slick, smooth-looking guys selling these units off a plan, and and we're going through all these display units, and I thought, how cool is that? And at the time. The real estate market was booming and people were just lining up and signing up for these properties and I went, wow, they had all these sports cars and I thought, oh, that'd be a pretty cool job. That sort of got me interested but in reality, it's definitely not like that but um, yeah, that was back in the, you know, I was only about, I was only a real young fella but I figured one day I'll get into real estate because these guys were looking pretty cool and uh, yeah, that, yeah, as you both know, it's it's a tough gig when you, particularly when we haven't got any experience so, but yeah, I just had a passion for property. For nights, there were other motivating factors that inspired him to move into the real estate industry. It was more about the freedom and, you know, I would see real estate agents that that would perceive to be, you know, have a really good lifestyle and I used to love to travel or have holidays and I could see this as a, as a, as a tool, um, as a lifestyle arrangement and I always wanted to work for myself. So, ideally, the lifestyle of a property agent, you know, you have a lot of time in most cases, you know, to work for yourself and do your own thing. So, and I, you know, just there wasn't really any particular one reason why I loved property. I just liked it, you know, and and I liked to communicate with people and and just I always saw lots of people doing very well in, in property developments and stuff like that. So it just I always had an interest in that as even as a young age. 
So I, I can't pinpoint the main reason why other than just I just, just want to get involved in that industry. And also working really hard on the tools and all different labouring jobs, etc. I thought it'd be a good way to get out of the sun. And I just, I really love to communicate with people. And that was sort of went from, you know, a sales job in the roofing industry straight into the real estate industry. And I just related well. It, it was sort of like my niche. I just, it, I just loved it so much. It wasn't really a job for me. You know, I got up every morning. I couldn't wait to start. So I used to get up every morning at six o'clock and do do the traditional 100 letterbox drops and then give them a call at six o'clock at night. So for me, it wasn't even a job. I just loved it, you know. Being such an ambitious person, it was only a matter of time before Knights wanted to go out on his own. I worked for a small franchise. It was a one-man team husband and wife and I was the only agent in there and agents would come and go but for me I ended up was uh, the top agent in that franchise at the time which is was called Nationwide back then and then I moved to LJ Hooker and I had an and then I bought a Remax franchise in 1999 and uh, that was in Redcliffe and with that partnership on that one and that one went very very well we sold that in 2006. Knight delves into how and why he started his property investing journey. I was working as a builder's labourer and, you know, making um, pretty average money and I just thought, you know, the property market was an opportunity to make, you know, larger amounts of money with, with equity and growth as properties always back in the day, you know, they'd grow up in value and I bought my first house at 20 with a $4,000 deposit. So, and then the interest rates went up to, you know, 16, 70%. But what I did as a single guy is I'd rent the rooms out. And so I was in, back in the day, you'd only get fifty dollars a week per room, but that was enough to pretty well cover most of the payments. And so I got in there and I, I rented it out for for a while as well, and then moved in and then thought this is an easy way to make some money. I sold that one, then I bought a five bedroom house and I rented all the rooms out and stayed in the one with the ensuite, and that that pretty well gave me my spending money, and I just rolled all the money, all my other income back into the debt, and that was my second house, and then I got into real estate at twenty four. We learn about some of the benefits that he discovered from renting out rooms in his own property. They were flatmates basically. So yeah, when I had the five-bedroom home, I was actually earning more. Uh, I was earning double in rent than what my payments were. So I was pretty well living, pretty well living. You know, I, I had lots of spending money. I just rolled that back into an offset facility, and I thought then I moved from end. You know, I actually partnered up when I got the real estate with the builder and did a, a first block of units with him on a 50-50 arrangement. So yeah, it just we just got into it basically and didn't hold back. You know? He talks us through in detail about where he bought his first properties and the numbers behind them. The first one was in a place called Kippering and on the Redcliffe Peninsula and then another one I bought in Scarborough, which is just the suburbs of the Redcliffe Peninsula and they were all... So the first one I paid $50,000 for, I sold that for eighty eight. And I paid it, uh, bought another one for 121000 I sold that for one sixty. I rolled some of the money out of that into a block of townhouses. I built a house with a builder and then it just it just went from there. And then as I got more experienced in real estate, I did my apprenticeship in a small company. And then, um, yeah, I was doing, you know, I got to a stage where I was selling 30 houses a month myself. So as far as volume goes, I was one of the top agents in Australia back in the day. <laughs> And which which I just used to buy and sell and wheel and deal and do little developments and renovate and buy housing commission houses and do them up and just anywhere there was something, I'd just roll it through the business. To be so successful within the real estate industry and also property investment, there need to be times that you can look back on as a learning experiences. Knight tells us one of the biggest lessons he has learned. I'll tell you, look, one of the biggest things I've learned is when you're making lots of money, 
and life's really good and you're on the, on a high, you're on the crest of this wave, making lots of money is just as dangerous as not making any money whatsoever. So you get a bit, you think you're bulletproof. So we bought a property off the plan uh, on the Sunshine Coast in, in a, at, the, at the wrong time of the market. And when we wanted to sell a property, when we sold the business, it was put in the business, we actually lost money on that. And because at the time we bought it, we were bulletproof. We were making lots and lots of money. We were, you know, we were, our, our business at the time was doing 100 sales a month. I was doing you know, 20 to 30 on average and it didn't matter. You know, so you know, sometimes complacency when you're making lots of money is is, is just as dangerous as when you're not working properly and, and not investing correctly, and not doing enough research on that. So, you know, there are times where you you know, what happens if something went wrong in your life and you weren't making that income, and it just stopped overnight, and you you made the wrong decisions because at the time you're making all that money, you bought the wrong type of geared property or property in the wrong location for the wrong reasons. You know, so that's that's sort of some of the lessons I've learned. You know, it's equally now when I'm talking to people is while things are good and while you're making lots of money, what happens if you if you stop making that money or you go through something major changes in your life and you're not making that money anymore and you've got this massive debt, you still got to pay it back. So having the right type of structure and the right people around you, and when you're tenfold and bulletproof, you sometimes neglect to get surround yourself with the right type of team, and can be very very dangerous. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Michael Knight's journey and why he transitioned into property investment. I'd meet super successful builders and developers along the way as clients and I thought, oh, I just want, to, want some of that. Why he wanted to open up his own business. So, for me, it was just a natural move was to own a business and whether that was a good or bad thing at the time, I learned how to do things really well and how, how to do things really badly as well. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Knights elaborates on the previous story and we find out about why that property did not go according to plan. It was typically a cycle. It went up and then it went down and we we didn't, you know, it was it was it was bought through a marketing group obviously and we bought it for the wrong reason and then it was sold for eighty thousand less and we paid for it. So, you know, and, and that was in a short period of time. So, you know, you, we and we bought it as a as a unit for our staff and ourselves to use as a weekender it wasn't really bought for a, for an investment and we should have known better because we were you know we were making we were teaching people how to buy property and then we went and bought this one you know so it was probably wasn't the right decision at that time there are various factors that can impact the outcome of a property and not shares light on a particular one we could have held on to it but at the time we were just um, my business partner was having issues relationship wise divorce working too much etc so we decided to just sell out the whole business assets and let that one go <laughs> You know, so yeah, in that particular case, it was you know it was just time to move that particular asset on and uh, take a hit. And we had, and luckily we had a, a massive capital gain, so we wrote the loss off on the capital gain anyway. But um, yeah, that one did, that was just one property that was bought that didn't work out. You know, and look, we've bought other ones that haven't worked out either. And you've got to be in the in the business. You're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Every investor has to you know, be, be humbled about, okay, you're not going to make money on every property all the time and hopefully that people do but it doesn't always happen, you know, sort of everyone wins and loses at certain times in their life. Sometimes it takes another person to lead you in the right direction for you to acknowledge what you should have been doing all along. 
I go back to when I first started in real estate, you know, like for me, when I got into it part-time and when I decided to go full-time, it was like I, I was working part-time for a building company and we both went to the car park and one came back. And at that time, the the, the boss, of he said, Mike, you got, you're going to make it in, in real estate, so it's time to move you on. And that was like oh, a bit of a hit, but it was more the most exciting time of my life. And that week, my first full-time week, I made three sales as a new guy, as a new guy in the business and I n- honestly never looked back so that was probably my my first aha moment that why wasn't I doing this years ago you know I was a bit scared to leave a stable job because I was only working part-time in property when I had no other choice but to give it all uh, I gave it everything I had you know and I was I had a relationship at the time that went bad I had a massive debt when I started I was scrubbing dishes at night I was working 24/7 to make this work I had no other option but to survive and and to give it everything I had, so I was I had it was do or die, and it, and I think that what's what made me, you know, to be the best agent I could be, you know. Wow, that's tenacity and persistence. So I, was, I was working in a scrubbing dishes, yeah, scrubbing dishes at night while I just started because I didn't have the income coming through, and then in the end, several years later, I was selling the um, restaurant owners and their cooks and chefs. I was selling them you know, million dollar houses many years later. They were, they were buying from me and there I was as a, as a dish big washing dishes, you know, while I started off as a real estate agent. To give you an idea, I had no other option but to survive, you know, because I already had, had a couple of properties that I was paying off before I got into real estate. From scrubbing dishes to selling property to these restaurant owners was not just a transaction but a lifelong relationship. I asked Knights if he still sees them. Yeah, yeah, I see them all the time. So, oh, not all the time. I, I go when I do go down to Redcliffe occasionally. I, funny thing, I was like, "How's this?" I've been out of Redcliffe since 2006, and I got a phone call last week from someone from Redcliffe who wanted me to sell their house. I referred them on. I usually refer them on to other agents down there. But yeah, so yeah, we were a house. So we had 50% market share down there. If you want to reach your goals, you're going to have to work hard and earn it. When you're a real estate agent, you are technically working for yourself, and you've got to back yourself 110%. You know, and you, it's just, it's a business within a business, and it's 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 not really about the brand; it's all about yourself. You know, this business relies on you, and you have to do the work. Knotts was always looking for other challenges, and meeting people through his real estate job created opportunities for him. I'd meet super successful builders and developers along the way as clients, and I thought, oh, I just want to want some of that. I want so basically, they were my mentors. And I'd watch them, learn from them, and I'd know the numbers. They'd show me how it worked, and show me, and I'd, they'd teach me as to what they were looking for. And you become a spotter, like a seller's agent, but you'd see opportunities that come up. And I wanted, to, I wanted some of that as well. The other thing, I, I, I was in real estate for a few years, and I did my first ARIC conference. John McGrath put the first conference on, and I saw all these Americans coming over, making millions of dollars and selling hundreds of properties. And I just wanted some of that as well. So effectively, I put on a team of people marketers and then a personal assistant and really ch- turned it into a not a one-man band turned it into a little business within a business and, and at that level there and they all had multiple properties and they were doing developments as well and it was sort of inspired me to do the same as well and just take action and do it so you know just having others hanging around other successful people and learning and seeing what they're doing sort of inspired me to to do similar you know seeing people from overseas and hearing about their success inspired knights to push himself to another level they had a whole team of people around them, and which which gave them leverage to scale their business into, and similar to what some most of the successful agents in Australia are doing now, well, we all copied off the Americans back in the day, you know, and, and then obviously Australia and New Zealand are, are up there in the top echelon of agents in the world now, I believe. I think we're in some cases more equipped, you know, 
Um, but obviously, the populations and demographics are slightly different. But yeah, we're, we're all up there competing together now in that top echelon. We learn about some of the reasons behind agents deciding to stay within the agency rather than branching out and creating their own businesses. A lot of us went on our own and some of them do really well and some of them crash, some of us crash and burn, you know, and then you've also got burnout as well. Um, you know, you get to a level in your life where you think, well, I should have gone on my own uh, or will I just continue to work, work for someone else? And commission splits are all different all around Australia. Outgoing costs are different, rents are different and, it, and the model's changed again now. So, you know, there's... There's very exciting models now that we we can actually work remotely and have remote PAs overseas. So I think it's just a journey you go through as a person, as an agent, or as a business person in general. You you have different ambitions and different goals. So for me, it was just a natural move was to own a business. And whether that was a good or bad thing at the time, I learned how to do things really well and how how to do things really badly as well. And makes you know we all make mistakes along the way. You know, so for me, it was just part of the natural progression of going from an agent to a business owner and then back to an agent again, you know, and back to and then back to a business owner. And effectively, I was always a business owner, but when you have a big business back to a little business, it comes back to what you feel, what you want to do at that time. After being on both sides of the spectrum of working for an agency and building his own, what works better for him? I think really it comes back to energy. Like when I decided to sort of semi-retire and at 40, I really was never going to semi-retire, but it was in my mind. But it took me like 18 months, two years to wind down and go from a, probably a workaholic, un- unhealthy lifestyle to to get myself fit and healthy and try and come down to a relaxing lifestyle and have some balance, but still work hard, enjoy what you do. And I burned out pretty well in my mid-40s. So at 42, 43, I, I hit pretty hard in the GFC. I had 30-odd properties and that hit me pretty hard and I was buying negative geared properties and land banking developments and you had to, you had to work really hard to get through that and, and that was when I'd started a new business on the Sunshine Coast. So, you know, you have, you can get burned out and, you know, you, you, and you have a couple of kids and you get married and your, your um, values change. Working long, hard hours can burn anybody out. Nuts describes his work life prior to burning out and what helped him come back from it. I think the burned out was accumulated over time. So when I was when I was the top gun and I was working six and seven days a week, even though I would take two or three months holiday off that year, you're still technically working and running a business and you're not really winding down as much as what you should be even if you take a month or two off and go overseas with your family because you're still on call, you're still obligated, you're still working for the vendor, you know? So you've really got to be, be there 24-7. So yeah, I was just doing whatever it takes, you know. Um, so you, you know, you, and even now, if you haven't got the passion or the energy to do it, and you don't really enjoy what you're doing, you should get out of it and find something that that lights your boat. You know, that that makes you really want to be a part of that. You know, otherwise, you're going to struggle, and and it's going to be hard work for you to be successful. So for me, I, when I, when you start to lose that passion in the mid 40s, like I'm 50 now, 52 and 51, it's like. You have to you have to find that mojo. You have to get that passion back. Otherwise, you're just going to float through through business for a while, not really knowing which direction you're going to end up in. Which where I was for quite a while, it was really difficult. You're sort of like in this de- sort of kind of a depression, not knowing which what I want to do anymore. It is incredibly important that you're passionate about what you're doing. Knights recommends different ways to keep yourself motivated. One of the worst things that happened to me in my life is 
you know, when I I got to the stage where I was making, you know, over a million dollars and, you know, making lots of money, it wasn't even about the money. I just did not want to do traditional real estate anymore. And I was doing it and it was hard work, you know, picking up the phone, making those calls, working Saturdays and doing open houses and traditional work. I just, I'd lost it for quite a while. And I got it back 2015, 16, and I got it back with a 100% passion. It's like a renewed energy. And I come up with a new business model, et cetera, with what I'm doing now. And it was like, wow, I just can't wait to go back to work and talk to people again. But I had four or five or maybe even longer than that years of just, just floating through that the industry, just getting by with massive debts. And then when the banks say, oh, Mike, you're not making the income anymore, I said, no, I'm going to be a developer. But you've got negative geared property, you know, you've got to work hard to support that debt ratio with your LVRs. And it was it was a tough time and I just didn't quite know where I was going. And I had to trade through it and sell down properties and, you know, I had commercial properties, had all sorts of stuff. And I tell you what, if something goes wrong in your life and you're not earning the money, the banks don't care. And they can knock on your door and you can, they can take it off you tomorrow as quick as you, you know, you can, you can lose it all in a day, you know. So, it was really, you know, you go through that time, you're like, that happened to me. So, you know, you had, you had to find your mojo, you have to be positive, you have to hang around the right people and complacency is the biggest killer when we go through different stages in our life with family and stuff, you know. So, I learned, so that's why I created, you know, more positive cash flow environment now. It's a safe investment. It doesn't really matter what the market does. If I was positively geared through all those years where I gave up work, I would have been able to say to the bank, they wouldn't have even had to call me up and say, hey, you need to work harder, Mike. You need to sell some properties down because you're on the edge of it. You know, So you really have to make sure you're on top of that, surround yourself with the right people to keep you motivated by having a coach and a mentor and accountability. Or if you're feeling like you're losing your way, you just you really got to be on top of your game and know your numbers and watch them closely. So, inspired by Michael Knight's journey and his amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investory where we'll discuss his strategy. So, I was selling them to investors and I was having an opportunity to buy them myself and we're willing and dealing, buying and selling and, and adding value along with growth of the market. What has motivated him at the moment? What's really um, got me so excited is uh, the NDIS, um, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, they're rolling out disabled housing. Um, particularly in Southeast Queensland. And one of the main things that excites me the most is that we're giving back to the community. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory.